You are Locked On Jets, your daily podcast on the New York Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is John B. from gangreennation.com welcoming you to the Locked On Jets podcast as we roll towards the NFL draft, kicking off another week. It is Monday, April 9th, 2018. If you enjoy the show, you can subscribe to it on iTunes or Spotify. And if you really enjoy the show, please leave it a good review in iTunes. Right before the work week ended on Friday, Friday afternoon, the Jets announced a couple of signings along the offensive line, a couple depth players, if you can call them that, uh, re-signed Brent Qualley, who was a backup, has played mostly tackle, also can slide inside to guard. He re-signs, and so does Dakota Dozier, who was a fourth-round pick in the Fabled John Idzik 12-man draft class of 2014. So the Jets have a couple more backup offensive linemen in the mix, as I've said a couple times. The Jets did not have good starters on the offensive line last year. So if their starters aren't good, that tells you a lot about their backups. The backup situation on the offensive line is not great. It's not, it's not a spot where the Jets have a lot of quality depth. These guys will be referred to as depth because they're backups, but this, these are not quality depth players. I think both guys struggled quite a bit when they were in there. Uh, Quale was a guy the Jets brought in as an undrafted free agent a few years ago and really did not develop much at all, has not developed during his career. And the same could be said for Dozier. When the Jets picked him in the fourth round, there were a lot of people who were very excited at the time. And he just never turned into a starter, never developed. Um, the fact that the Jets needed to felt they felt that they needed to resign Brian Winters a year ago said a lot about what they thought of Dozier. You know, you look at this offensive line. At left tackle, you have a guy who's kind of a stopgap in Kelvin Beecham. He's okay. You have James Carpenter, who's you know an average tackle. I'm sorry, an average guard. You know, in a good year like 2015, 2016, he'll be above average. Bad year 2017, he'll be below average. You look, go to left guard, you go to right guard. You've got Brian Winters, who I think you could almost say is a backup masquerading as a starter. At right tackle, you have Brandon Shell, who's a guy developing. Maybe he'll be a good starter, maybe he won't be. Still too early to say. And at center, you had a guy who, and I'm going to steal this because I heard somebody say this. Um, Somebody left a comment again, GreenNation.com, a while back. A guy, you had a guy last year who was an, a guy who belonged in the XFL, Wesley Johnson. That's the kind of player he was. And he's gone. Now they, they bring in Spencer Long, so hopefully an upgrade there. But not a great group up front. So the, if the starters aren't great, and I, I think this is still quite a below-average group when it comes to uh, quality on the offensive line. I think the hope when it comes to Dozier and Quali is that you have some young guys who are a little cheaper, have more upside, go in and outplay them in training camp and take their spots, hopefully improve the depth and give you, again, give you a little bit more upside for the future. So I'm not going to complain about guys coming back. Now, Quali signed the one-year tender the Jets offered him as a restricted free agent to keep him a restricted free agent. So he's making a little under $2 million. That's a little pricey for a guy for what he provides. $2 million may not be a lot of money for a lot of players, but for a guy like Quali, it's a lot of money. I'm not going to get too crazy about it, though, because that money is not guaranteed. And again, there's a possibility these guys could be played off the roster if 
somebody younger steps in. Dozier in particular could be in danger by Travis Swanson, the jet, the center of the Jets sign from Detroit, who actually could be a pretty decent depth guy. Um, so we'll see what happens there. So that's how we start our show. The main topic of today's show, though, is going to be focused on the draft. And over the days and weeks to come, I'm going to share with you a couple of different draft philosophies that I have. These are just things that I believe in as we move towards the NFL draft. And I'm actually not going to talk about the first round today. I'm actually going to talk about the Jets picks in round three and later. And I'm going to share a philosophy that I know a lot of people actually out there disagree with. It's something I've discussed from time to time on this show. And that's the idea of trading down, which I think in general, and especially where the Jets are as a franchise, is a good idea. The Jets did it quite a bit in last year's draft and drew quite quite a bit of criticism for doing for doing just that. Um, a lot of people were very frustrated as the draft was playing out, which is not that uncommon. You know, fans like to see action. They like to see decisive moves. And when you trade down, it kind of looks like the opposite. It kind of looks like you're, you're passing on making a decision. And the other thing is everybody who follows the draft has their own draft board. So when you trade down, there's probably a guy you love at that pick. And when you trade down, you lose the chance to get that guy. And I'm sure there are players at various points that you wanted the Jets to draft. And maybe you were frustrated that the Jets kept trading down. But I think on the whole, trading down is a sound strategy. It's better to trade down than to trade up in most cases. There are instances where it does make sense to trade up. I think one of the instances is one the Jets found themselves in this year when they were looking to get a quarterback high in the first round. I'm not saying you never trade up. What I'm saying is that you trade down more than you trade up. And in some ways, trading down actually helps you trade up, and we'll get, we'll get to that. But I think one of the key things to remember is that you're dealing with young players here. You're dealing with guys who ultimately are unpredictable. You know, in a lot of ways, I don't envy front offices in the NFL. The fact that your career, as a, especially general managers, your career is determined, success, the success or failure of your career is determined by 20-year-olds, 21-year-olds, 22-year-olds who are going to make a lot of money, who are going to move into a professional league, have to learn how to make it on their own, learn a new city, a new playbook, how they mess with your, coach, mess with your coaching staff. There's just so much unknown. I mean, how can you predict things like that? It's very difficult. And as much as, much as the NFL gets it right, it's really tough. It's really tough. And the NFL does a good job in general terms figuring out who the top prospects are in a broad sense. And when I say in a broad sense, what I mean is the Cleveland Plain Dealer did a study about six years ago where they looked at a decade's worth of NFL draft results from 2002 through 2011. And that's, you know, I, I know we're getting kind of dated now when we talk about that, but their findings were, were interesting. What they found was that 53% of all pros were drafted in the first round, 19% in the second round, 12% in the third round. So that's a, for over half in the first round. And then you add in another 30% or so in rounds two and three. So in the first two days of the draft, that's where the vast majority of all pros are taken and over half are taken in the first round. But so you get a, you, the NFL does a good job in a broad sense of figuring out who's good and who's not. But in an, in an individual pick basis, they're not so great. And what that study found was there are as many 
all pros drafted with the fourth overall pick as there were with the first overall pick. Now, if you fast forward a few years, a couple of economists did a study that was the subject of an article in Vox.com, which is actually affiliated with uh, the site I write on gangreennation.com. It's part of the same company. And what they found was fascinating is, and their finding was that the top player picked at a given position in the NFL is only better than the third player picked at a given position around 55% of the time. So just a little bit better than a coin flip. And one of the things that shows you is there may be a big difference between drafting a guy in the first round of the position and say drafting a guy in the fifth round. Then your, your guy in the first round is going to have a much better shot of becoming a really good player. But drafting a guy in the first round versus drafting a guy a little bit later in the first round of the same position, it's much more of a coin flip. It's a... It, just a shade above a coin flip if you're drafting earlier. And, you know, the NFL is not really a league where studies like this have been embraced. You know, it's not really a league where you hear a lot about data being utilized. It's many years behind other sports. Baseball, of course, has been at the forefront of the analytical revolution. And the other sports are kind of behind. I think football's the furthest back. You don't really see data used on a wide level in football. Now, it's easier to use in baseball because baseball, there are less variables, so it's easier to isolate certain things in baseball. But even even some of the aspects that aren't so easy to isolate, you're seeing baseball kind of come around, and you're seeing football, I'm sorry, you're seeing basketball and hockey also ahead 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 of the curve football is set out at least. In football, you still see guys with old-school scouting backgrounds running teams, and that's actually one of the weaknesses I've noticed of NFL front offices is, in many instances, they're run by guys who are good at evaluating talent, but they're not good at quantifying talent. And that's why you see so many teams struggle with the salary cap, give out contracts they shouldn't give out, is teams teams can figure out when to target a player, which players they want to target. But in the NFL, especially now when you have a salary cap and you have a limited number of draft picks, you have to be able to value properly. And that's something teams struggle quite a bit with. And I think that's the way they value draft picks in some ways is flawed. They don't account for the uncertainty that comes with the draft pick. They don't account for all the variables that make it difficult to figure out. And for the most part, you are better off trading down than you are trading up and stockpiling extra picks because, again, you may be moving down. Let's say you're moving down five places and you get the second or third best player out of the position instead of the best player. You're really not reducing your chances of success that much more. You are, however, adding additional picks later on that help you hedge your bets because ultimately the NFL draft is a lottery. And the more tickets you have, the better your odds are of succeeding whenever you play the lottery. And, you know, I can give you an example, a good example, if you just look at recent Jets history. Remember that that awful 2014 draft class that we were joking about earlier that Dakota Dozier was part of? And John Idzik is not a very popular guy. His talent, talent evaluation skills are not widely respected, I'd say, by most fans. He found Quincy Inunua in the sixth round. But here's the thing. He had four sixth round picks. The other guys he took were Brandon Dixon, I.K. Inakapali, and Taj Boyd. I still can't pronounce I.K.'s last name, even though he's infamous in Jets history. 
you know, they had four shots, and that's how you find a player. Now you fast forward to 2017 when the Jets again kept trading down. It's too early to say definitively whether that draft class will be su- successful, whether these players will have successful careers, but they did get it back in the sixth round, Elijah McGuire, who had close to 500 yards for scrimmage, which for a sixth-round pick as a rookie is pretty good. Now, his ultimate upside is a topic of debate, but I think he's going to be at least some sort of player, even if he's a role guy, even if he's a third-round back. Again, the Jets had three sixth-round picks because of how they traded back. The deeper you get into the draft, the tougher it is to find players because there are more variables. You have guys who are not pro-ready, so you have to figure out who has skills that can be developed, who fits into our system. These are not things that are easy to figure out. So the more tickets you have, the better your odds, and that's how you end up finding these late-round gems. And the other thing that this study that was profiled in Vox showed was there actually was a correlation between trading down in the draft and winning. The teams that traded down in the draft more tended to win more. And I think that has a lot to do with it because you look at the way teams are built in the NFL today. With the salary cap, there are just certain spots that have to be filled by minimum wage players, by cheap players. I'm talking about starting positions. I think you have to have guys who can step in and play and succeed cheaply. But even some of like the role positions, the role spots, like return man like maybe if you just want a, a slot receiver you know slots slots become an interesting position because it's kind of become a spot where you move guys to create match matchups but a more traditional slot guy you know a small guy who's just quick there's certain just certain spots uh, backups you know you talk about depth you have to develop your own depth that you do that through the draft and even you know even if a guy's a quality backup if he's a sixth round seventh round pick that's a successful pick I think the value of trading down goes beyond just giving yourself extra chances to hit on players later in the draft, though. There are other ways that trading down helps your team-building process. When you add extra picks, it means more opportunities if you find a trade for a guy who's already in the league. And I think one of the great undervalued assets on the market in this day and age is the guy on his rookie contract, the proven quality player on his rookie contract who just doesn't fit in with his team, whether it's a new system, whether he's clashing with the coach. And you can find recent examples over the last few years of a guy on his rookie contract, two to three cheap years remaining on his deal, and some team is able to trade a day two pick, a day three pick to get him. You add an extra pick like that, it can be valuable because you're not giving up, say, your third round, your fourth round pick. You still have an extra one in your arsenal. See, the thing is, you start out with seven picks in the draft. If you go below seven, then you are reducing your chances of finding the players you need to fill out your team. You're reducing your lottery tickets. But if you trade down and get eight, nine picks, it doesn't hurt as much to trade a pick for a player. And You can kind of have the best of both worlds. You could have enough picks to have a full draft class to give yourself a legitimate shot to find players in the draft. And you can also add a cheap player on a good contract, you know, a good player whose team is selling low on him. The other thing I'd say is if you want to trade up, again, same concept. Look what happened with the Jets. The Jets acquired an extra second-round pick this year. This was not a trade down, but they acquired an extra second-round pick that they were able to use to flip off to the Colts in order to move up to the third overall pick if they didn't have that extra second round pick and again i know this was not a trade down but you you stockpiled an extra pick you added an extra pick 
the Jets did not have to give up their 2019 first-round pick. Maybe they would have if they didn't have that extra second-round pick this year. Because they were able to give the Colts three second-rounders, maybe they did not have to trade that first-round pick. And, you know, you've seen from recent Jets history just examples of what happens when you don't have enough picks, whether it's the Mike Tannenbaum days where the team can't draft well in part because they have the fewest picks in the league, or even a couple of years ago, you know, you think back to the trade the Jets made to get Brandon Shell, where they gave up a fourth round pick, which turned into a high fourth round pick. Now, Shell may turn it into a good player. He may justify the trade, but they were in a position where they couldn't do anything except trade that pick. They had to trade, you know, if they wanted Shell, then they had to trade that fourth round pick. Whereas if they had an extra, you know, if they hadn't if they had added a few extra picks along the way, maybe they could have kept that valuable fourth round pick and still gotten Shell. So I think ultimately trading down is the way to go. I think you should actively seek to trade down when you're in the draft. I think I liked what the Jets did last year. I'm one of the few who I guess I'm in the minority because I thought what the Jets did last year was sound. I thought I think that's the sound way to build your team. Trading down, I think I'm not talking about from three. The Jets are not trading down from three. I've seen <laughs> I mean, God bless people. I've seen a lot of theories out there that the Jets are going to sell the pick for more than they traded to get it. I mean, Jets are not trading down from this. I'd be shocked if the Jets... You could never say never. I'd be shocked if the Jets were trading down from that pick. When we get to the third round, though, you have to remember the Jets had to give up their second-round picks to get that third pick from the Colts. Once we get to the third round, Jets are not dealing with a full, full assortment of draft picks this year. I think they have to look to deal trade down. I think it's sound strategy. So that's what I have to say about trading down. Thank you for listening today. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. If you enjoy the show, subscribe. iTunes and Spotify are your options. Hope you have a great Monday. We'll be back on Tuesday.